to R and Co Talk Radio, where beauty icons and influencers, thought leaders, salon owners, trendsetters, and more take the spotlight. R and Co Talk Radio. Welcome to R and Co Talk Radio. I'm Allison Alhamid, and I am so so excited about today's guests. We have Garen, who is the co-founder of R and Co, the inspiration behind R and Co Blue and is a hairdresser in this industry for more than five decades and has created some of the most iconic looks of our times. And then his longtime friend, famed fashion designer, Anna Sui. And you two have been working together for 30 years and have created incredible magic, both on the runway and behind the scenes. And we're gonna spend the next 30 minutes or so talking about this collaboration, some of the magic of this relationship and your favorite moments and milestones and then of course your most recent fashion week collaboration and the Anna Sui Co blue robe and where that inspiration came from individually you guys are just unstoppable and together I mean just monumental in my memories of fashion and hair and moments and like evoking emotion so this is a big moment the two of you together and how you met and what that was like and the collaborations over the past, are we at three decades now? Yeah, we're going into four. <laughs> yeah. Ah. I mean, but what's amazing about it is I feel like oh. you guys are constantly setting the tone for what other brands later copycat and other stylists and other designers are just looking to you guys as the North Star of what they want to get to. And it's it's every show every moment, every, everything that you touch turns to editorial gold, for oh, lack of a better word. You. Garen was always a legend in, in my eyes. And there, were, there was a time when I didn't really know Garen, except through his reputation, through his achievements, through all of his editorial. I only got to meet him through my friend, Stephen Mizell because Garen had started um, his long run with working with Steven. So sometimes I would drop into the photo shoots. And then there was a moment when I was so privileged that Steven asked me to style some Italian Vogues and I got to work with Garen on them. And it was just like a dream. I mean, there's, there's one um, editorial that keeps running right now on Instagram and it's the one we did with Linda Evangelista. And it was a tribute to Diana Vreeland and the hair that Garen did on Linda felt like I was dreaming the whole time we were working on that photo shoot. We had a great time. I mean, that, <laughs> that is how I met Anna. Um, and it was because of Steven. And then Anna came to the picture. And I remember that shoot. And I remember meeting Anna. And she brought all these clothes that were just perfect. And so we said, what do we, we didn't, I didn't even think we were thinking of Diana Breland. Mm -hmm. But Steven sort of said, just go with it. Just you and Francois, just create. And Linda was the perfect muse at that time. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect for mm -hmm. it. And I mean, she's putting on Jeffrey Bean and, you know, all these little dresses, but they were all in the 60s feelings and, yeah. you know, but it wasn't. It was, it know, was what was going on on 7th Avenue, but it was my selection of what was on 7th Avenue. Right. So Stephen and I had talked about it, that we wanted to have this kind of feeling of Reland, like the overness part of her with stacking the bracelets and the big hair and then just very streamlined clothes to show off all the accessories. So that's how I selected from all the different 7th Avenue uh, showrooms. When they were all on 7th Avenue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
friendship grew from there. And I remember Linda's hair was very short at the time. And um, I would just start attaching hair pieces. And at one point she had three hair pieces and a fall on her head. Yeah. <laughs> and we had taped her from here to here to lift her brow. And that is one of the most iconic pictures, of course, where she's in profile. And I just stuck a bow in it. And, and the dress was so beautiful because it had some beading and, you know, the cutout around the, the neckline and it just was magic. And I remember our trips to Europe and Anna would come along and she was the, the shopper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, while, while they were working, I would go out and, and go shopping and then come back and show them what I bought. And I was crazy about Christian Lacroix and he had this incredible boutique and I would spend hours in there just kind of searching out everything. But when I went back to the studio, they were shooting his collection. So then there was a moment when Stephen was piling it all on me. So I got to wear all of those clothes and accessories and everything. So we would just do like a little playtime. So I have a couple of Polaroids from that moment too. But that was my first trip to Paris with Stephen and, and the team. And then that's when Anna was like really into pattern on the pattern on the pattern on the pattern. And I was just watching her, how she was absorbing everything. And then she had all the memories from, you know, London and Carnaby Street and all that kind of thing. So she's scrambling it all up. And I guess it just, there was a moment when Stephen said, you need to start designing. And yeah, and well, it was right after that show that he said, <laughs> after that, that, that trip, he said, okay, now it's time for you to do a show. And it was like, what? He said, don't worry, you know, Paul Cavaco and I will help you get everybody. And so we went to Garen and asked, would he do the hair and Francois to do the makeup? And it just kind of evolved from there. And I knew Linda and Naomi socially, but again, I had only worked with them like in these bits and pieces doing these stories with Steven and they helped me get all the other girls. And that's, that's what started I mean, the whole she thing. She had all the supermodels in her first show. Yeah. Every one of them. And there was, <laughs> it was fun because we didn't have rule. We, we, we kind of made our own rules and Anna would be showing each outfit and Stephen would go take off the bow and oh, well, let's, let's do that. And then I would say, oh my God, it's heaven. And then Paul Cavaco would just tell the girl how to walk. Or, or <laughs> do a handbag or, there was one point when those guys got me so nuts that I went into, I had a closet right next door to my office. And all of a sudden I saw a vacuum cleaner on the floor of the, the cleaning person had left the vacuum cleaner and I picked it up and I flung it. And then I came back out all cool. And everybody was looking at me like, what was that that just happened? <laughs> you gotta release it somehow. Somehow. Well, of course, you know, we were so excited and we were all giving our opinions and it's Anna's collection, you know? So it's like, guys, back it up. <laughs> But I think you're touching on something important and that's like knowing who calls the shots and is this a hair moment? Is this a fashion moment? Is this a makeup moment? Is this a photo moment? And uh, I think you guys have found a really wonderful way to collaborate and have harmony in that, in that relationship and in that balance. So when did that come? When did you, when did you I, notice I, Anna that this was it, the right? I think it was all along. Like you would know what was going to be right for the particular outfit or the particular collection. And there were moments when 
it wasn't about the makeup or it wasn't about the hair. It was more about the clothes. It just, I think we could just suss it out by trying things on, walk, having somebody walk around with it. And you, you can see that throughout the years that the focus always changed or sometimes it was all just full on. Everything was like over the top, the makeup, the hair, the clothes, you know, it was just, we would just go along with either how the collection was feeling or how the trend of what was going on was feeling. And the one thing I loved about Anna is that she just, she was one of those designers that didn't want the girl to always have her hair behind her shoulders. Mm -hmm. And I remember <laughs> teaching the girls because they were all taught that they had to throw their head back. And Anna says, they, you don't look like a cool chick anymore. You know, like a cool, you gotta be cool. So I always would bump them forward so the hair would bump <laughs> the shoulders so that it was laying on the clothes and it would, she became cool. Mm -hmm. and, um, and, and also the mixture of the, the girls. I mean, she had all different types of girls. It wasn't just one staple that we got used to looking at. And, you know, there was times in the last maybe 20 years that I've said to Anna, I want the girls to twirl again. I want them to do something again. And she goes, they're not allowed. We're showing clothes, you know, because <laughs> someone makes this statement. And I think it all started back in Europe where they wanted the girls to be not as noticeable. But we had the best time when all the supermodels were part of that. Oh, you know, yeah. They oh, yeah. just knew on cue. And I mean, you could get Cindy Crawford to be cool. It was so cute. I mean, because they went with it, they had fun and they wanted to do the shows because it was one of the most fun shows of the season. Everything else was so serious. And, and it was a scene backstage too. Oh, it was like they'd all bring the boyfriends and at that point, like everyone's dating a movie star or a rock star. And so it was just like a party backstage. And so she also had we all, got all I worked on, so we didn't have to worry. <laughs> and then we just let it all kind of roll at that point. But you had all those rock stars and all those characters for men yeah. in your show. They were yeah. all dating the girls. Uh -huh. And it was, it was great. <laughs> it was fun. It was really a fun And then time. I had them all come to the salon mm -hmm. because I, they were all getting their hair cut and colored and, you know, and whatever. And then the, then what's her name? Jamie's boyfriend was long, straight. Anthony, Anthony Kalidas. Oh, Anthony Kiedis. Oh, you're talking about Jamie Richard. Uh -huh. Yeah, Jamie Richard. And Red he, Hot Chili Peppers. He, he yeah. cut my hair and I, he goes, and then she'd get him to be in his show. And I was like, <laughs> how did you do that? She goes, I just asked him and he said, yes. And then, you know, it just was really cool. It, it always has been. Seeing what happens backstage, you have to be able to be so responsive. A model might be running in five minutes before the show's about to start and she has black nail polish on, makeup all over her face, her hair has a wet look or really tight pony. And if you have to reinvent her, I imagine that trust you have in the makeup artist and hairdresser has just got to be so critical to how you feel <laughs> as you're about to experience something you've been working toward for so long. But Anna's pretty smart because we get the names of the girls that are always going to be the late, late ones. And she also knows which show they're coming from. So she could have saved me many times by going, well, we're going to stick a hat on her head. It's <laughs> <laughs> pretty genius. It's about the makeup or the hair to sacrifice. It's like, okay, she's going to come in all glued down and you really literally have 30 minutes to get her together. And so there's always a standby option, mm -hmm. you know, in case we really like, oh no, what are we going to do? 
Yeah. You know, but we have to be resourceful, you know. Just, <laughs> yeah. We have to make it work. That's the whole thing. So Anna, will you tell me a little bit about like the the overall vision process as you come up with the collection and when hair comes into that? Are you still mood boarding? Are you cutting out pictures of magazines? What does that look like for you? Oh yeah, I, I build a very elaborate mood board. As I'm working on the mood board, of course, I'm starting to think about the clothes. I'm starting to think about the hair, the makeup. And sometimes I don't have an idea for the hair and I, and I rely on Garen to like, look at everything and then let me know what he's feeling. Or there's other times when I have just such a definite thing. Like when I came up with the color wigs, I never thought I could find these beautiful colors of wigs that match the collection perfectly. And they were all the anime wigs that the kids use for Costcom. And I was sending pictures of them to Garen. He was like, where are you finding these? It was just on the internet. And then he came in and the texture of them and the amount of volume that you could get out of them, they were so perfect for 60s bouffants. And we have a whole video that Garen had so much fun doing the wigs actually on himself and coming up with these really great styles that were kind of a cross between punk and 60s bouffant, but in blue and pink and green and purple. So you have to have somebody like Garen that's going to just go with it and take it to where you want it to go or even beyond. And that's the gift of working with Garen is that you have somebody that you really can rely on every single time and that will just go there with you and take it beyond. We did one where I came up with these toupees and the girls all had long hair and I had blue, pink, purple, lavender. And, but I just took the wig, I cut it in half and I made a toupe and I just pinned it on the sides and then took the rest of the hair and put it in a high ponytail with the tube. So the front of their hair is all one color and then the back is their own hair. And it was, yeah. it was like was a messy such, It's one of my favorites ever. That was so gorgeous. Was and then cool. there's a few that we did on our own, uh, her and I, where we did it very ethereal and all curly and uh-huh. like angels with butterflies. And you know, and it, was, it, it, done, it, was, it was perfect because it was springtime. I know she's thinking all of this in the back of her head. You know, like I got to shoot four makeup pads and I got to shoot this while the show's going on. So it's got to look like it belongs because she's got all these, you know, she's got perfume, she's got makeup, she's got nail polish, she's got everything going there. And I'm like, I get it. When the girl disappears and I send one of my kids, just make sure her hair looks good because this is like going to show somewhere. It's going to be seen and it's going to be on Instagram. In the beginning, we had no control of how many people were behind stage. Oh yeah, but it was it was a mob. And Dr. Harry, you had you had Sophia Coppola, all her friends were all back there. And that was great; they were fun. But mm-hmm. then you had all the photographers, then you had the bodyguards, and then it was just like, are you kidding me? Yeah. So then we had to draw a line. Yeah. Well, you've really established like a good lay of the land. There's a chain of command. There's rules of the road. Everyone kind of knows it. And you've really established like a firm understanding of what this is like at an Anna Sui show. Tell me about your favorite moments. Mm-hmm. What's, what's a favorite moment for you, Anna? Um, well, I, get, I have to say the first show because I had no idea what I was getting into. I had no idea the level of discovery that was going to happen from it. And I have to say it was like a labor of love. Everybody really pitched in. Everybody rose to the occasion. And like at the end, I remember like crying because it was such a beautiful moment. 
and you know friends like Garen and Francois and Paul Cavaco and Stephen they all just really pitched in and Naomi and Linda so Andre was back there Andre Leontali and sitting like right where the girls were going out and at the end I just turned to him I said it's over it went so fast like like I had no idea that it would just go like I mean you know it's like 10 minutes but you were preparing for six minutes. months yeah mm-hmm and Anna, what about when you saw Madonna in your dress at the, where'd you, where were oh, we, yeah. Paris? Well, well, this was that same trip. We landed in Paris. We were going to the Gautier show. And I was with Stephen. This was my first time seeing the collections in Paris. And we stopped at the Ritz and went into Madonna's hotel room. And I'm looking around and it's filled with clothes from every major designer in Paris. And I was getting so jealous and thinking, oh, she can have anything she wants. Look at these people are throwing things at her. And she comes rushing out. We were late. She had her coat on. We jump in the car, drive to the, to the venue. And she sits down and she looks at me. She says, Anna, I have a surprise for you. And she was wearing my dress. So that was one of the things that gave me confidence enough that, yes, maybe I can do my own show. Maybe there is room for an Anna Sweet collection in this whole um, crazy world and that's when Stephen and Paul and everyone was convincing me I had to do a show and it was so funny that we did a whole sitting with Madonna and she did the cover but she wore most Anna Sui in that in that whole shoot and that was Grace Wasn't yeah that, that was Grace yeah mm -hmm. and, <clears throat> and at that moment Madonna was wearing a lot of my clothes because I'm always surprised when I see how many pictures of her out and about like when she was with Tupac and, you know, different, different boyfriends, she's wearing my clothes. It's, it's always kind of a surprise to me how much she really wore of Anna Sweet. Anna's always, um, she's been very helpful. Like every time I've done, you know, gone through, done salons, especially the share um, at the Henry Bendel, um, and they carried her line there. And I wanted a robe and I kept saying, what do we do? You know, people are all different sizes, you know, and she was thinking about, it and I said, well, what about an animal print? And she says, great idea. So she's collected all these animal prints and we even went with zebra at one point. We went mm -hmm. with um, oslet, um, leopard, and a couple of, of snake skin and something else. And we just kept throwing them on top of people. And I, you know, and I said, and she understood the whole thing that every woman is a different size. Every woman's a different proportion. Every woman can't wear something striped plain or whatever, but it seemed like, and I remember from my mother-in-law wearing, always had like a, a leopard or an oslet little chemise dress that she put on and she always looked great in it. And then my mother had something and, and she said, you know, everybody kind of looks safe in a print. So we came up with the color scheme. And mm -hmm. that time we did it in a uh, taupey because the salon was all in cream, like beige and dark wood. And it was a little kitsch, not mm -hmm. too kitsch. But we decided on the, the leopard. I mean, the mm -hmm. oslet because it was a smaller print. Yeah. Then she had different finishes that mm -hmm. she, she decided on. And I remember her saying, you know, let's get it kind of chintzy because 
when you wash it, it's going to have more volume and more body to it. Yeah, so it doesn't turn into a dish rag after yeah, a while. We didn't want it clinging to their breasts or mm -hmm. anything like that. Right. She designed it in a kimono way. And the brilliance of it is that the clients themselves decided how to wear it. They would decide whether to wear the V in the front or they turn it around and put the V in the back mm -hmm. because they knew they wanted to cover this but they also knew the back of them looked better than the front. So <laughs> it, it became a thing, you know? Mm -hmm. And I would just say to them at some point, if I was cutting their hair and their hair was gonna get cut short, I'd say, could you put your robe on backwards, please? Mm -hmm. And they'd go, fine, perfect. But it all worked. Uh -huh. The men, we did um, just plain, it, uh, we kind of went rocky on that. We did <laughs> espresso brown, really dark brown, and we put a big G and it, it was very cool because the men didn't feel funny putting a robe on because a lot of people want to keep their clothes on. Mm -hmm. But I always like to protect their clothing because our clients would, you know, they were wearing expensive clothes. Mm -hmm. And in the color department, we had signs that said, if you don't wear a robe, we're not responsible for mm -hmm. your yeah. clothes. Mm -hmm. But we also, with the leopard or with the oscillate, it hit a multitude of sins of like if color dripped onto the robe it wasn't a big deal mm -hmm. because it was a print it was a big camouflage yeah it really camouflaged mm -hmm. as we created blue um for iron co i was thinking what is part of me what is part of me and then i remember elizabeth um mall saying well, you know, you got this, you, your robe is kind of your signature. And I was like, yeah. And I said, Anna, what do we do? Can we do it? And I kept that traditional robe, became a Garen robe when we sold them in the, in the salon and people mm -hmm. would order them online. So then Anna, Anna picked out the color and she, she picked out the fabric and here's the, here's the color. I mean, mm -hmm. here's the robe. Yeah. And it's so beautiful. And it just, it's nice and thick and it's, I think it's brilliant because it's just so rich looking. Yeah, I mean, it's like denim, like anyone can wear denim. So it's kind of like a version of denim, but in the oscillate pattern. Yeah, and it, we had, at one point she had given me the oscillate in denim and I had said to her, I said, I think that feels too iron code the main line. Mm. I, we need something that's a little more shocking and a little more incoherent with the, the packaging but it has such a sheen to it. It's so beautiful. And it's got purple in it. It's got blue in it, it's got black in it. It's just, it's, it's just gorgeous. Anna, what was that collaboration like for you? When Garen came to you with this, this idea and talking to you about like, you know, this elevated look, this, this, this more elegant, this more sophisticated, more uptown, how do you process something like that in terms of design? Well, you know, I always think about Garen and, and, and Garen always kind of evokes the best of everything. And so I put together several selections of blue for him, but always keeping in mind that I thought he was going to like more this denim blue. And also the quality of the fabric is actually from the same resource that we used from the very beginning. Um, it's my same printer. It's my same person that provided the fabric. But I think that the, all those robes were so durable and they still look good after wash, after wash, after wash. So we just kind of stuck with a good thing and a, and a high quality thing. 
Anna and I are really, really, truly friends. Mm -hmm. And I, she's there for me and I'm there for her. Yeah. And we can bounce things, even things that are really um, like troubling us. Yeah. It, it's yeah. really like she knows that I, she can trust me and I can trust her. It, mm -hmm. it turned into that. And it, and her whole family's like that. Her family's so wonderful. Oh, I mean, they, they really are. I mean, to see a family so connected and so they're there at every show. Mom's there front and center. Mm -hmm. And dad was there front and center. Everybody was there. When they walked in, it was like the waters parted. <laughs> you know? And um, it's just been, it's been a great, great run. So Gary, as you launched Co Blue, I mean, everything was so exciting. These, these are products that perform. I love the way they look on a shelf. I love the way they smell. I love the way I can really kind of make it my own. Um, what products did you recommend for Anna? I assume you, you well, hooked her up with some Co Blue, she's right? She's to get a package. I don't know when Ooh. they're going to get it together. <laughs> but I have put us a, a specific package together. The repair of uh, the green shampoo and conditioner and I also did um, the color shampoo and conditioner and then I did the oil and I did some other goodies um, because Anna's Anna's style is a certain way sometimes she blows her hair dry sometimes she lets it dry natural and when I cut her hair I cut it with a combination of scissor and razor so I do know the moments like when she's able to be freed of being outside and whatever she's going to have all the products that she needs that's going to work for work for her. Gary, what about you? What's, what's your favorite Anna collaboration moment? I'll never forget the beginning because the beginning was just building the brand and building Anna and supporting it. And then we had another great moment when you were given the, um, the, the Lifetime Achievement Award. Yeah. And, from the, uh, and uh, Every collection went out yeah. and we had how many models? We had, a, oh my maybe God, 50, yeah, maybe 50 models. Yeah. And uh -huh. the brilliance of that is that I said, all right, let's keep true to, and she said it too, we, is there any way we keep true to the, to the scenario of the show? So what we did is she got the pieces of so many pieces from each show and we did the girls to look and the guys to look like that show. So we had it mapped out pretty good. So yeah. when she did her, her presentation, they all came out and they were all in order of like what they really looked like at the show. Mm -hmm. you really know, doing the whole look of every show. The whole look for every show that yeah. she had done up to that point. Mm -hmm. And that was well received. That was very well received. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I would love your perspective, Anna, on why, why you think stylists, people, the tastemakers of their communities, why they should be paying attention to what's, what's going on in fashion and how that can help infuse what's happening in their salons. Well, I think that, you know, fashion is a movement. It's not just one person. It's just not one person deciding that this is going to be the look. There's like kind of a, a, a mix of everything going on and that kind of gets mixed together and becomes what the look of the moment is. It could be um, a touch from one collection or another, maybe there's one dominant designer, but it's still, there's a, there's a look that kind of happens up with all those different people uh, sharing their point of view. So I think it's really important to follow what's going on and it works in trends. So it comes out very extreme in the beginning and you know, most of the time you're kind of like, oh no, no, that's that's too much, that's too much. But then you see it 
again and maybe like softened in a way. And so until that becomes almost the average, you know, and like then suddenly everybody wants that. So it's just, that's, that's just how looks happen and fashion happens and trends happen. And so you have to always stay on top of it to understand, to see where it's going and to be there when it's happening. I've always been trained from day one, not only as a hairstylist or a hairdresser, but I always see a total look. I don't cut someone off here. And I think what Anna said is that you take fashion and you scramble it up because you're getting who you love or which designer you adore. You're gonna mix it with your jeans or you're gonna mix it with however you dress. And then there is H&M and Zara and all them that have taken the ideas that Anna's done or Calvin's done or whoever, and they have made a cheaper version of it, but you're still getting that throughout the, the world and throughout the country. And, and I think by working, being brought up in a small town with a big family and doing hair and trying to make people feel like they belonged in New York, like they saw the movie stars on TV or in the movies, they always had this dream. They wanted that little bit of thing going on, even if they were in this small little town and they would dress up and go out on the weekends and go out to dinner and they have their false eyelashes on in the sixties. And these, these women wanted to look like that. So that in the back of my mind, it was like, you can always have a fantasy going no matter where you live. Mm -hmm. And so when it comes to hairdressing, I always hit the mark by who the girl is or who the woman is. But that's your gift, Garen. Like every time I get a haircut from you, it makes me feel like a million dollars. Like when I walk out of the salon or um, from getting my haircut, it's a life change where you feel like you, you want to look in every window that you pass like how it's looking from every angle. And, and I texted you the other day because I just I got know, a haircut last funny. week. And I was going for a mammogram. Like, you know, don't you dread going for a mammogram? And I was there filling out my forms and the receptionist was just looking at me. She said, you have a great haircut. And it just made me feel so good. It's just like, so I texted Garen right away. You know, it's just like, <laughs> that's, that's his gift. He just makes you feel like a million dollars every time. Well, getting, getting like even just a small glimpse at the past three decades or so that you have been collaborating and how it all started and, and kind of like a little bit of a sneak peek about how it's likely going to continue. Um, I'm excited. I'm grateful. I'm so excited to bring this story to the R&Co network and to people in the beauty industry because, you know, fashion and hair work together uh, seamlessly if, if you've got a good mix and the right magic and the right personalities in the room. So you two have somehow figured it out. And um, I'm just really grateful for the time and to, to hear a little bit about this, this match made in beauty industry heaven. <laughs> Thank you. But I do want to shout out and say, if you live in Florida and when everything opens up, you must go see her show, the 30 year anniversary of her show that's at the Fort Lauderdale Museum. And it's, it's heaven because you get to see the journey and it's put together in a way that you see the journey of the, of the girls and the guys. And the, even the photos that are on the wall that we forgot about that were really printed. I mean, Lisa Marie Presley wearing the blue suit that Anna designed for the cover of Vogue 
and us cutting her like to look like Elvis Presley. You know, I, I was able to do that. And I mean, it's just so cool that she actually does look like she, Elvis. Just like Elvis. In that just picture. like Elvis. Yeah. And you know, those moments, you we don't forget about them, but they're, they're forgotten. And every once in a while, when I go through my archive, I'm going, God, I was really good back then. I mean, like, I don't, I mean, I'm not, I'm just saying, and then I see all the dresses and then you got an Anna dress mixed with a LaCroix dress mixed, you know, like as groups, group shots of mm -hmm. flower dresses or, or psychedelic prints or whatever. And then there's an Anna dress thrown in with all these other dresses and you're like, oh my God, everybody was on point. Everybody was on the same page. I think you're both unbelievable rock stars and I'm so grateful for the time. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Love you, Garen. Love you, Anna. When you need good air, there's a place to